0: This is Passing Judgment, a podcast about the law and how it affects you. I'm your host, Loyola Law School Professor Jessica Levinson. Think of me as your personal law professor as we navigate the big legal questions of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers. Hey, everybody. It's Jessica, and I want to bring you some big Supreme Court news. Now, obviously, a lot of you who are here and listening know that the really big Supreme Court news is that they decided to hear the case involving whether or not a former president, in this case, former President Trump, has immunity from criminal prosecution. And in late breaking news at the end of last week, the Supreme Court decided to do something called grant cert, meaning they are going to hear this case and they are going to hear the case on April 22nd. And we've already talked a little bit on the podcast about the major issues that the case brings up. And so I'm not going to devote an entire episode to it here. We will absolutely be breaking down the oral arguments right after they happen again, on April 22nd, I think for right now, the big things for us to know is that in some ways we can view this as a win for President Trump, because what he wants is delay. And by the Supreme Court deciding to take this case at all, as opposed to just affirming what the lower court, the D.C. Circuit Court did, it's going to cost some delay. But what I want to caution people is that on the other hand, This isn't that far away from what Special Counsel Jack Smith, the prosecutor in this case, actually asked for. He had originally asked the Supreme Court to hear arguments in March. They're going to hear arguments instead at the end of April. Now, the big question is, when will a decision come out? And my guess is by the end of June, when the other big decisions come out for this term. And then, of course, the really big question is, will there be a trial in this case before the election? Now one point that I want to mention and there's a lot of chatter about well, this delay will mean that there can't be a trial in this case. One, I think it means that it's less likely. it's not impossible, but it is absolutely less likely. But the other thing I want to mention is there's still another wrinkle with this DC case with this election interference case and That's the fact that the former president is charged basically under two federal statutes. But there's now an unrelated case pending before the Supreme Court asking whether or not one of those statutes can really apply to the January 6 rioters. I'm going to call them rioters. And so that case, while it doesn't involve the former president at all, it has everything to do with the case pending against him. So what I want to offer to you is that depending on what the Supreme Court decides and whether or not that statute, which was really meant to apply to white-collar malfeasance, that doesn't mean it's not appropriate here, but it was initially intended to apply to white-collar malfeasance, whether or not this case would have been on hold and or had a big question mark over it, at least until the Supreme Court came out with that other decision. So, all of which is to say we're certainly watching this case. It's a big question of whether or not the Constitution provides that there's immunity for a former president when it comes to criminal prosecution and official acts. But I do want to caution people that there's a lot of chatter about how this delay is egregious. And I do think that it's just a bit more subtle than that. So having said that, I want to turn to the cases that I actually want to talk about this episode. And these are cases dealing with the internet and the First Amendment, and specifically social media companies and the First Amendment. In the beginning of last week, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in two cases that raised the question of basically, can states Restrict social media companies in their content moderation choices. Meaning, can a state, and the two states at issue in this case were Texas and Florida, can a state say something to a social media company like, you're not allowed to deplatform certain people, or you're not allowed to hide the posts of certain people, or you must publicize the posts of certain people or involving certain speech? And So those are the cases that the court tackled, and those are the cases, again, that I want to talk about in a bit more detail. The thing that I really want to emphasize here is that over three and a half hours of oral arguments, and I was really trying to formulate my thoughts and figure out what's really happening here, is that I think that's exactly what was happening for the justices, that they were also trying to figure out what is our roadmap here. So again, they were hearing arguments and disputes over state laws from Florida and Texas that would limit how social media platforms engage in content moderation. And Florida's law, for instance, bars social media platforms from permanently deplatforming political candidates. Texas's law, by contrast, bars social media platforms from restricting content based on the user's viewpoint. And these laws were politically motivated. These laws were born out of a fear slash argument by conservatives that they are being unfairly targeted on social media platforms. And so that's in part why the law doesn't apply to smaller platforms that are solely conservative platforms, I would say, like Parler or like Truth Social. This law is aimed at the bigger social media companies that, again, conservatives have argued for a long time have been unfairly targeting them. So while there's Political background here, the question is really a legal question about what the First Amendment permits. And what I heard the justices struggling with is the fact that we've just never been here. So we don't have good precedent on what the First Amendment allows because this is still for the Supreme Court fairly new technology. And I wrote about this a bit on MSNBC, but what you heard, for instance, during the oral arguments is Justice Amy Coney Barrett expressing her fears about how broad the laws were. And she said, quote, this sprawling statute, it makes me a bit nervous. And you also heard the justices have confusion throughout the case about exactly how broad the statutes were. And exactly how they would apply. Now, I think that for the Supreme Court, what they know is that social media platforms are hugely powerful in that a great deal of hateful and harmful and vile and disgusting speech appears on these social media platforms. But that's not the question. The question is, how do we balance the social media platforms argument that they're private actors, they have to be allowed to determine which speech and which speakers are allowed on their platforms, with the states saying, we need to make sure that our residents hear a diversity of viewpoints. Now, Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson remarked fairly early on in oral arguments that it's difficult for justices to even know what analytical framework to use because we just don't have a lot of cases dealing with social media companies. Again, they're still fairly new. She said, quote, doesn't it depend on exactly what they're doing? I mean, I guess the hard part for me is trying to understand how we apply this analysis at the broad level of generality that I think both sides seem to be taking here. So what... I heard is that the justices want a framework and that it's simply not there. And that's in part because when I teach constitutional law, what I explain to my students is that the justices and lower court judges, they tend to have an analytical framework when they're tackling constitutional questions. So they look at the text, they look at case precedent, they look at structural concerns that might be present based on the structure of the constitution. They look at historical traditions and none of those help the justices enough when it comes to this particular case. So for instance, the text of the first amendment doesn't tell us what to do. And the text of these particular state laws are actually quite broad. Now, the big Issue that I heard the justice is struggling with is you know, what line of our previous cases does this question fall within? And the answer is no line of cases. There's no case that's, quote, on all fours. And that's because what the justices were trying to do is figure out do social media platforms look more like newspapers and telephone companies? Because we know what to do with newspapers and telephone companies. Uh, States can't tell them what they can and can't publish. Or do they look more like shopping malls, in which case a state can force them to host certain speech? Now, why do I bring up newspapers and telephone companies and shopping malls? Because there are cases on those issues. And so that's why you heard the justices just for three and a half hours basically trying to figure out, is it a newspaper? Is it a telephone company? Is it a shopping mall? Where can we fit this question in? And I think the truth is that they're neither. We're talking about new technology, and maybe we need to be talking about a new framework. So the last question that I heard the justice is kind of struggling with was this structural concern of who should make the decision. And structural concerns often boil down to either which branch or level of government should make this decision. And here, I think, in part, what we're asking is whether or not we want states to be able to use a pretty heavy hand in restricting content moderation choices by private companies, or if we want judges to use fairly aggressive types of review, a more exacting level of scrutiny, when deciding whether or not to uphold these laws. Now, of course, States and state representatives are accountable to the people, but judges are tasked with ensuring that we're protecting individual rights, like the right to free the freedom of speech. And so that's why I think you heard this additional struggle of who should be making this decision. Should it be largely up to the states or... Should we say, you know, judges have a really active role to play here in making sure that they are protecting individual rights from tyranny of the majority? And so what does this boil down to? Basically, the justices again are kind of dancing in the dark and who else could have acted here and provided the justices with some guidance? It's Congress, but Congress has once again failed to provide any national standards. So in the end, I think, frankly, the justices are going to want to exit the dance floor and maybe find a way to send these cases back to Texas and back to Florida for additional findings to try and buy themselves some time and buy themselves maybe a narrower path forward. So- that's what I want us to think about when we're hearing about these big social media cases and how they bump up against the First Amendment and what the justices are likely to do. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. I hope this was helpful. And we have a lot more news and interviews coming up next week.